I now can sing since I've been redeemed. I'm on the everlasting, everlasting rock. I faith in Christ, my Redeemer King. I'm on the everlasting, everlasting rock. This is the voice of hope. Then roll, roll, billows roll. I'm on the everlasting rock of ages. Roll, roll, billows roll. I'm on the everlasting rock. Thanks for joining me today for The Voice of Hope. I'm J. Mark Horst, your host. And as I promised you last time, we have a special program today. In a few minutes, I'll be talking with Tony High about his trip to Africa last fall as part of our Bible distribution program. Tony is the executive director here at Heralds of Hope and I'm sure you're going to be blessed as he shares some of his experiences with us. So don't go away. Do you remember your very first Bible? The first copy of the scriptures I had was called the Rainbow Bible. It had a picture on the cover of Jesus blessing the children, and it had a zipper to keep it closed. Later on, my parents gave me a nice leather-bound Bible as a gift. And when I was appointed as president of Heralds of Hope, I was given a copy of the Key Word Study Bible. Today, I have quite a few copies of the scripture in a variety of translations. And while I'm grateful for each one of those Bibles that I have, I'm even more grateful for the power of God's Word to change my life and yours. And I'm grateful to God for His promise that His Word will not return to Him empty.
Thank you, choir. Let me take just a moment to read those verses from Isaiah chapter 55 that are the basis for that song by the choir. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, or empty, or unfruitful. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Praise God! What a promise! Now, here's the interview with Tony High, our Executive Director. Tony, last year you had the opportunity to visit Guinea-Bissau. Give us a better idea of where that is. One of the things I've learned in being in this ministry is that many people are not geographically literate. And that's not a knock, it's just the way it is. So tell us a little bit about Guinea-Bissau. Yeah, so for starters, Africa is not one country. It's about <laughs> 57 countries or 52. Yeah, that's right. And um, so Guinea-Bissau is on the west side of Africa. So it's south of Senegal, north of Guinea, uh, another country there. Where is that in relation to Liberia? So Liberia is further south down around the, the bulge, as it were. So you have... You have Senegal, the Gambia, Guinea-Bissau, Guinea, Sierra Leone, Liberia, and then Cote d'Ivoire, and Ghana, and so on and through there. Okay, so it's not a large country, but uh, of all the countries in Africa, 57 you said, why yeah, this? Don't quote me well, that, roughly, okay. <laughs> why this one? Yeah, so along the way, about a year or more ago, we learned about a need for Bibles there, where they're struggling to get their language, their Heart language Bibles, they for some reason are not printed. They actually, the Bible Society lost their rights to print them. Okay. And there was, they went through some work to get that back. And we learned about this and we said, well, we could facilitate a printing of, of a container load of Bibles. And originally we talked about two container loads, uh, really getting a, a large quantity in. But in the end, we settled for one uh, container load. So it was more than just a need for Bibles that they could afford. It had to do more so with the fact that they just were not available. The Bible Society didn't have any, any to sell. And so that made it even more difficult. It wasn't a, just a question of money. Although that is true, they are expensive for the common person. What connections were made that this actually came about? Yeah, so there's an organization called Training to Send that does a lot of work there, and they are a, a discipleship ministry. Uh, they are planting churches and training believers to disciple. And the church is growing exponentially, and what is happening is there's no, no Bibles behind that. And so that's, that's how we learned about the need uh, equipping the saints and training to send were two organizations that informed us about it. So they kind of brought us together. Yeah. So, okay, well, tell us a little bit about the country itself. Maybe go back to the colonial period because that has a bearing on the language and some of those things. And also, what's the population approximately, the language, and some of those other things? Yeah, I think it's a country of a little over two million, maybe like two and a half million. Okay. Uh, the city of Basau is like, I think where most of the people live, um, it's kind of their population is kind of concentrated in the city. And it was a Portuguese colony, a slave trading port. So there's a bit of that in its history. Mm -hmm. 
I understand in the 70s, there was a civil war that the rebels, if you would, pushed Portugal out. Okay. And it was, a, it was a bit of a difficult war. They actually referred to it as Portugal's Vietnam. Okay, well. So what is the process or what was the process for actually getting into the country? I mean, can you, is there a direct flight from JFK to, you know, Guinea-Bissau or Bissau, the, the capital city? Yeah. Um, you can get there okay. from what I understand, but you do a lot of hopping, okay. uh, mostly through Portugal, mm-hmm. for, through Lisbon. And so we could have done that. Um, the people we were traveling with actually preferred to go from JFK straight to Dakar, Senegal, okay. and then take another short hop. And so this was a Portuguese colony mm-hmm. during the colonial period. Is the language still Portuguese? So it's a Portuguese Creole. And if you understand Creoles or pigeons, mm-hmm. a Creole is a language, a foreign language that is learned from childhood. It's, it's a basically a native language, but it's a foreign language. You already mentioned that getting Bibles into that country was the purpose of the trip, but there was more to it than that. So tell us a little bit more about the purpose of the trip. One of the things that we're finding is we need to verify what we're doing. Mm. And when we're sending Bibles out, we need to verify what's happening with them, where they go, uh, the kind of people that are receiving them. And so what we wanted to do is follow this container up because we did not know very, we didn't know the organization very well that we were working through, right? which is training to send. And we did not know anything about the country and the people there. So we thought it'd be prudent to follow the container over and meet the people and just build a relationship. So. For the most part, it was a relationship-building expedition. Okay, and did they, did they hold on to the Bibles until you got there to begin uh, distributing them, or had they already done some of that? Some of them had gone out. Okay. Uh, there was some that was left in Senegal, and when we got there, it was like, oh, here's a stack of our Bibles. I think they said 200 of them they left there in Senegal okay. on their way through because there was a Portuguese Creole-speaking people group there in that part of the area because if you know countries like that the borders don't necessarily yeah. separate people right. groups the people yeah. groups kind of flow across right. uh, senegal right. is french um, just a note about the language portuguese creole is not the same as portuguese right so they can communicate but it's difficult do you feel like you accomplished uh, what you set out to do by going on this trip yeah, I feel like we did. We, we met the people that received the Bibles. We learned more about the need, which was part of our, our reason, too, just to kind of get a feel for what actually is going on. And we learned that there, are, there were Bibles there available. Uh, we found out after we were there, they were a uh, limited quantity and expensive, as it were. It was a fairly recent shipment from what I understood. We, okay. we had a little trouble. We kept asking the same questions over and over, trying to, to determine what their supply really was. It almost seemed like we had more Bibles than the Bible Society did. So were those Bibles actually the Portuguese Creole, or were they just Portuguese? Well, I understand they were the Creole ones, okay. but there was a small quantity right. that they had. And, yeah, we basically dropped a 20-foot container in there with 17,000 132 or some odd number (laughs) on it, but it was like right around 17,000. So in a country of more than 2 million people, that's 
just a start. Doesn't go very far. <laughs> right, yeah. So the primary purpose was to be there and observe the distribution, to make connections with people. You took along one of the members of our Canadian organization, and you also took a videographer. Uh, what was the reasoning or the purpose behind that? Yeah, so the Canadian organization, that was to bring them on board, to get them more involved, mm-hmm. and uh, to communicate a vision for what we're trying to do. Right. And the, the purpose of the videographer um, was twofold. It was to connect to an organization that he was part of, and he prefers to remain uh, that, have that organization remain unnamed here. But that was part of the reason there, but also to document a little bit what we're doing so we can better communicate with our constituents. This is what happened, mm-hmm. and this is what it looks like. And I feel like we accomplished that goal as well. Okay, good. And we have had some unfortunate or negative experiences with Bible distribution in some other places in Africa. And so do you feel like this is something that will happen more often? In other words, we'll be sending people from here or people connected with the organization to these various places to kind of see on the ground actually what's happening. That's my hope Mm -hmm. that we can get that to happen. Along with this trip, we found out we had, we built our contact base a little bit broader Mm -hmm. and we're finding that there, we would have some additional connections with the, the multiple organizations that were kind of connecting here on this trip Mm -hmm. and where we could actually find people in different places and be able to to verify some of our distribution. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier that Bibles were basically not available in Portuguese Creole and Guinea-Bissau. But even if they were, what would, do you have any idea what it would cost the average person, a day laborer or whatever, to purchase one? Yeah, we asked that question and uh, Mateus, the one pastor there, they kind of discussed it for a while, and they came up with uh, two and a half days. Two and a half days of wages would be what would be required to purchase a Bible. It sounds expensive. Mm -hmm. It is not quite as expensive as we have heard from some other areas. There was one particular area in Kenya Mm -hmm. where it would have been the farmer's entire season's crops. Wow. That's amazing because of how cheaply Mm -hmm. we can buy them. And... Also, how reasonably they can be produced. Do you recall what the cost per copy was? I mean, like to have them printed, shipped, and in the country? Yeah, so the cost of the Bible itself was right around $2.78. It was just under $3. And then until we had the shipping and all the customs and everything on, it was the price was over $3. Um, I'm going to say it was still less than $3.50. Okay. I don't have the numbers in front of me. And that was for, that was for a complete Bible. You already alluded to, uh, what, 17,000 and some that were in that container. And where were, they, where were those Bibles printed? Where did they come from? India. Printed by an organization in India. Okay. And could they be shipped directly into the country? From what we understand, it's actually easier to send them into Senegal. Again. Because, okay. again, the port Bissau, I understand, is a bit painful. Okay. And <laughs> corruption and customs, and it all goes together. So this particular load was sent into Dakar, Senegal, and then shipped by land down into uh, Guinea-Bissau. So obviously on a trip like this, uh, you have lots of memories. You've had lots of new experiences, first time in the country. What is one or two things that 
you'll most likely never forget about that trip. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking about this one uh, quite a bit. And the first one I'll, I'll say is I had the privilege of preaching on Sunday when okay. I was there <laughs> and observing a congregation where I want to say maybe 20% of the congregation had a Bible. And okay. you could see where they were because when the Scripture was being read, their heads were down and, and their neighbors were looking, looking as well. Okay, interesting. And so you could see where the Bibles were. And you could see where they weren't because they were their heads were up and they were looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> then after it was over, we distributed Bibles and all the main members of the congregation received the copy and then some mm-hmm. around there. And the church was full that morning. It was so full that people were standing outside the windows looking in. And Afterwards, the pastor said, he said, now the whole congregation has a Bible. And I was like, wow, that was worth the trip right yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. there, were, there are many things I can think of like that, but that one stood out to me. The other one, um, I almost want to say it's humorous, but it wasn't. It, it's probably more humorous looking back. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first morning we were there, I woke up to a sound that my brain didn't connect with what it was i i was picturing dump trucks going over rumble strips or potholes and construction equipment until i realized that that sound just doesn't fit and finally i woke up the rest of the way i think jet lag had something to do with it. i'm like what am i hearing so i got out of bed and and kind of stumbled out to the main living area of the guest house we were in and I said to our, our main leader there, the person leading the group from training to send, I said, what am I hearing? He said, it's military, you best get ready. <laughs> I'll tell you, you don't need coffee. And that, <laughs> and, and no matter what, jet lag uh, kind of goes away at that point. Later, it was called in a coup attempt. I, it's kind of hard to discern, you know, what exactly was going on. And so that was... Um, that was a moment that I realized that, wow, this is not a movie. Mm-hmm. Real people died, and I, it really struck me on the way over. I, you know, looking over people's shoulders and seeing what for movies they're watching on the airplane and stuff is like this stuff is really violent. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sitting here realizing that people are getting shot. That's just what's happening, and it was a kind of a a moment of real introspection i guess you could say like this is what's happening this is unnecessary here you have a scripture christ can change that Mm -hmm. and it's like you know how badly we need christ right amen so that's something that i've been been thinking about and and that probably that one event has impacted me and I still think about waking up the gunfire, AK-47s and 50 calibers and probably some RPGs going off. And it was about three miles away. We were never in any real danger that we could determine. And then by 1030 in the morning, we were going down the road. It was all over. To distribute Bibles. Yeah. I guess it was over. We don't know. The president apparently cut short uh, something he was at. He was at the climate change thing. Yeah, okay. And he, w- oh, he, he needed to cut early. that short. <laughs> <laughs> so he came yeah. home and took care of matters, I guess. That, that was just a thing that, yeah. that happened. And, right. and we all, I think we all just realized that, whoa, we're not 
in Pennsylvania anymore. These are not deer hunters. These are <laughs> this is real yeah, weapons. Right. Yeah. So you had mentioned earlier uh, seventeen thousand Bibles, or we talked about this seventeen thousand Bibles, a population of over two million. Uh, any plans for sending additional Bibles into Guinea-Bissau? Yeah, we are working on another shipment, okay. most likely this year yet. Uh, they have been distributing them quite rapidly. 5,000 of them went out in December. And just the last two, three weeks here, another 2,500 or 3,000. Not, I'm not quite sure in the number. So if you do the math there, about, it's probably about 10,000 left. So similar amount. The container that was sent, was that full? Or can you get more in? <laughs> um, I don't think there's much more room. Okay. I think it was, it was a full container, and that's what we're looking at doing again. Uh, one thing we want to do, I mean, sure, we could send maybe three 40-foot containers. Right. But what I'm also determining a little, and this is where you go and visit and you get the feeling, but it seems like giving them the right amount with a pause in between mm -hmm. probably is going to be more effective. Right. If you give them too many, you can pretty well get, you can get wasteful with it. Right. And so this way, I think it's, it's probably a, a good sustainable stream to be effective. So we've been sending Bibles to a lot of countries or purchasing Bibles in the country or nearby country. You said these came from India. But this is the first shipment to Guinea-Bissau. So how does that fit in the overall distribution, Bible distribution plan that Heralds of Hope has? Talk a little bit about what the goals are and maybe the numbers long term. Our, our desire is to be effective mm -hmm. with it. Right. You can always throw money at it and mm -hmm. some money will always receive it. Mm -hmm. uh, so we want to be effective and make sure the Bibles get to the right people and that there's not a lot of waste along the way. Mm -hmm probably can never make that system perfect, mm -hmm. right. but we'll shoot for trying. Let me interrupt you there because you talked about distributing the Bibles to the proper people. You saw something happen there on the ground when you were in Guinea-Bissau. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, so I'm assuming you're thinking of the uh, checking if they can read. Yes. <laughs> so one of the things that was very important to some of the the brothers that were distributing Bibles is that it only goes to believers and it only goes to those who can read. Mm -hmm. So there were two incidences where one where some, I believe it was unbelievers, were trying to get a copy of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then one guy was just insistent that he gets a Bible. And it was almost, it was getting a little tense for us. We didn't know the language, so they weren't talking to us. And uh, the one pastor, he was insistent that he doesn't get one. <laughs> and later, it looked like he was praying with them and possibly evangelizing him. I'm, I'm not sure what happened. But that was one case. In another case, the, the one pastor said, we'll just, we have some more Bibles to distribute, but you must be able to read. He said, I'll check you. And so he was standing at the back of the church with a Bible, and he was holding it there and, and checking to see if they could read, and some of them he pushed out of the way, and the others he left go by. So I feel like they were treating him like gold. It was really important that this is a Bible, and it goes to the right people. We don't waste them. And that was a blessing. Right. It made me feel good about what's going to happen. Well, there's a lot more that we could talk about. Uh, there's things that are coming to my mind even as we speak, but uh, we probably have enough material and... Uh, I don't know, maybe we should do a, a follow-up, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get this uh, on the air, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to people. 
So yeah, thanks for taking time to sit down and, and answer some questions and share uh, some of your experience. And um, would you go again if you had the opportunity? Oh yeah, yeah, I'd love to go back there and, and visit the people. It was really a blessing. And I'll just add this yet, the experience I had in watching what Training to Send does, mm-hmm. and you can look them up, training, the number two, send.org. And their, their work, they are empowering local believers to carry the gospel to their people. They are empowering the indigenous leaders to do it. The church is then multiplying at a rate that I've only read about. Later, I came back, I said, I read about this, I heard about it, but I never saw it. And I got to see it. That was just exciting. Like, what they're doing and how they're working with the local leaders is beautiful. And I really, I'm really encouraged by what they're doing. Yeah, and some of the, some of the stories that we don't have time to get into this morning about those uh, people who came to faith in Christ and the background and circumstances and all of that were really exciting. So mm-hmm. we'll kind of whet people's appetite to, uh, to look for some more information to come. Sure. Okay. So thanks again. All right. Appreciate it. I hope that interview was a blessing to you. If you have questions about our Bible distribution program or how you can participate, please contact us. We'd love to talk with you. And the easiest way for you to reach us is by using our email address, hope at heraldsofhope.org or call us toll-free at 866-960-0292. Or mail your request to The Voice of Hope, Box 3, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, 15533. And you can also review today's interview or listen to archive teaching by logging onto our website, heraldsofhope.org. If you'd like to help this ministry financially, you can send a check by mail or donate securely online at heraldsofhope.org. You can also call our toll-free number, 866-960-0292, to donate via credit or debit card. Through God's grace, accompanied by your fervent prayers and your generous financial support, we will be able to keep the voice of hope on the air until Jesus comes in the air. Now don't forget to join me next week for the voice of hope as we return to our study in the Gospel of Mark. And until we meet again, don't forget this very important truth. My Lord will light up the sky when He comes in His glory with a host of angels by and by. Roll back the dawn, let that day hasten on, let your coming light up the sky. Reading in God's holy word convinces me each day The Lord's return to earth cannot be very far away The universe is growing, waiting for the dawning Waiting for the dawning of that day For He shall light up the sky when He comes in His glory With the hosts of angels by and by Roll back the dawn, let the Day hasten on, let your coming light up the sky. As the lightning flashes in the briefest span of time, the Lord returns to earth again without a warning sign. 
And when I see him coming, when I see him coming, nothing here can make me want to stay. No, I won't stay. My Lord will light up the sky when he comes in his glory with the host of angels by and by. Roll back the dawn, let that day hasten on, let your coming light up the sky. My Lord will light up the sky when he comes in his glory with the host of angels by and by. Roll back the dawn, let that day hasten on, let your coming light up the sky.